All right, football fans, Dave Naylor from TSN up north trying to give us uh, the perspective from the uh, from the Canadian side because, you know, us here, Dave, on the XFL side, XFL show side, we've kind of been like, this is a good thing for the XFL. In Canada, it's somewhat not, it seems like, for at least from the fans and on Twitter. So let's just start off with what's the current status of the 2021 season? The 2021 season is there. They have not ruled out starting on time. Training camps start mid-May here, preseason, kind of early June, regular season, mid to late June. I don't know the specific date off, off hand right now, but you're um, – the CFL season is actually backed up a little earlier than it than it has been in, in previous years because they put in some extra bye weeks, you know, the whole player safety thing. They, they've lengthened the season. We play 18 games in 21 weeks. So, um, look, everybody I talk to in the league seems to believe we're aiming realistically for a kind of July training camp, August start, shortened season. Maybe it's, you know, 14 games. Maybe it's 12. Maybe it's as short as 10. Um and, and all this is unpredictable, of course. The, the 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 vaccine rollout here has been a little slower than it has been in the U.S. Um, governments here tend to be, well, let's just put it this way: we're not Texas. <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> you know. So we're, we're we're they've been very cautious when it comes to to mass gatherings and things like that. There hasn't been sports with fans in the stands. I believe the league's return to play protocol is in the hands, you know, of. Uh, the people it needs to be. Uh, and, and again, these things often aren't returned until closer to the date, right? So somebody told me yesterday, they expect that about a month from now, we'll probably find out you know, whether or not the season's going to start on time. Um, but, I, but I think most of the speculation, including my own, is that you know, we're, we're talking about a summer start, not a spring start for the CFL in 2021. And hopefully fans in the stands. That's really, as, as you, know, you understand the CFL's business model, Fans in the stands is uh, is the lifeblood of the CFL. Well, I think that's kind of what the perspective is that we want to get right because us here, you know, in the U.S. and XFL fans look up at Canada and say, "Hey, this league's been around for a long time. It looks like they were in dire straits. They lost sixty to eighty million dollars last season, uh, basically because of the pandemic." But is the league in dire straits because of the pandemic, or are there issues even dating back to twenty nineteen before uh, the pandemic became a realization in twenty twenty? I'm going to try to use an analogy and I'm going to say it sensitively because I want to be respectful of the fact that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have died in, in COVID. So I'm not trying to be flippant here, but um, you know how, when you talk about in the cases of human beings, the people who are most susceptible to the COVID-19 virus are people that had pre pre-existing conditions. I think the same is true of businesses. You know, if you were a business that before the, 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 the COVID-19 pandemic, had issues, uh, pre-existing issues, you know, that th this puts a stress on it and other leagues that, that don't have pre-existing issues have, have been able to kind of weather, right? Their margins are smaller, their franchise values, they can, you know, they've got lots of liquidity if they need it. In the Canadian Football League, the margins are small and the business model is driven. You know, I had a team president tell me this year that about 60% of all revenue is in some way related to game day, fans and stands. You know, so that's that's an that's why you, know, you get a lot of fans in this country that are very frustrated about, hey, like, what can't we come up with other ideas? And what are, why are we thinking of things? Well, you show me the idea that replaces 60 percent of your revenue. You know, it doesn't exist. Right. So you have a, you have a, a league that's been on a very, very traditional business model, you know, from you know, really bums in seats, you know, signs on field. You know, that's 
That's the way sport was done in the 1950s and 60s. That's how it's mm -hmm. done in the Canadian Football League today. Every team makes about $5 million a year in television revenue, uh, which covers most of your salary cap, but everything else everything else is is you, you've got to generate revenue for the other real challenge the cfl has had is a demographic challenge um you know i am 53 years old and i am kind of the last generation at least in this part of the country that when i was in high school you know people talked cfl right alongside everything else i was you know i was in grade 10 or 11 when the argonauts won the great cup in 1983 and, and my high school went insane um, you know, there's a producer who works with me at TSN who went to the same high school as me 10 years later. And when I tell him that story, it's like, you know, men from Mars have landed, right? It changed very quickly in the 1980s. And, and I think that's spread to Western Canada now as well. When I talk to people in Western Canada, it used to be like, ah, the East, you know, the young people in the West still get it. Now, when I talk to people in the West, that same thing has happened. So you've got an enormous challenge. I, I mean, I'm a Toronto Argonaut season ticket holder as well as working the league. I, I say often, I'm 53. I sit in the stands at an Argo game. I feel like a kid. I mean, I look around me and I literally, I'm the youngest one in the section sometimes. So <laughs> it's an enormous demographic challenge. So yeah, it, the league has had some real challenge. And, it, and its softest markets, you know, are Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. I mean, what would the NFL be like if, you know, people really didn't care in New York or Dallas or L.A., you know, I mean, uh, it just it just doesn't make and where, where there are teams I'm talking about now that L, in L.A., of course. Um, <laughs> so so there are a lot of issues that the league has kind of. And, and if you look at what was happening pre pandemic, they were launching a plan to kind of bring global players into the league in the hopes, I think, that they could sell streaming rights back to those countries where these players would be established. And it's all in that idea that, hey, we have a country of 35 million people. You know, we, we know what we can do resource wise in this country, but how do how do we get money from outside our borders? And the problem with the, the international strategy was it was something that was going to bring returns in you know four or five years. It was always a long term strategy. Well, now you can't yeah. really wait on a long term strategy. Right. Um, so, yeah. So the league has been doing OK, but it, it's, it's been very selective in kind of, you know, the, the, the hot and cold spots. Um, and it's a league where the margins are thin. And I think everybody between the losses that you guys cited for last year and the, the concern about how long the bounce back is going to take. And, uh, you know, during the pandemic, you had an owner that, that passed away in B.C. You know, you've got one franchise now that doesn't have an owner. And, I, and I'm not confident that somebody's going to step up in this environment and buy it. So you, you got some significant yeah. cracks, you know, business wise in the Canadian Football League. And, I, and guys, I've covered this league for 30 years. I grew up with it. So I've seen a lot. Um, but this this is definitely a, a critical juncture for the league. Yeah, and it's it's a pity they just can't find a ten billion dollar TV deal like the I, NFL just just got. <laughs> Dave, it's it's where is that? Yeah, it's a different I'm business old, model. I'm old enough to remember when CFL teams used to outbid NFL teams for first round picks. Like not not in my <laughs> grandfather's life, my life. You know, like in 1982 when when Tom Cousineau was the number one overall pick. Boom, he's going to Montreal, right? It just it's um, the the economy of scale between the Canadian Football League and the NFL has changed so drastically within my lifetime. And part of it is, you know, the CFL, I, I always t remind people this. I say, look, the world's changed. The year I was born, there were nine CFL teams and six NHL teams. The, the Canadian Football League was 50 percent bigger than the National Hockey League. You know, today the NHL is going on 32. And we're still at nine. <laughs> It's yeah, it's a changing world in the CFL. I, I feel like it it 
kind of comes off to me, at least down here, Dave, is a league that is it fears change a little bit. Um, and maybe this XFL chatter is going to be something that it drastically needs. But we saw something this week that was really interesting, uh, kind of more pushback from the CFL itself. The UFPA, the United Football Players Association, makes this statement uh, letting the players that they are looking out for know that the the CFL might not play in 2021 or 2022. And the CFL really reacted strongly to that, saying erroneous. The CFLPA also reacted strongly to it. And I was just, we were wondering, recording the show last night, uh, why? Because the UFPA is so new and we feel so small, but really got to the league. Why do you think that was? Well, it, because it got life on social media, right? Like, the, the you know, I could... I could come up with, you know, an acronym for an organization, put a statement that looks like a press release, throw it out on Twitter. And yeah. and again, if it if it speaks to something that people are already nervous about, it will get currency, right? I always say that on if you want to if you want to get an April 1st joke that's going to work, pick something that somebody is already worried about. Right? And and it, <laughs> and it often you can get them. I I've, I've done it before. I don't do it anymore, but when I was in my college days or whatever, <laughs> I would always pick something that somebody already had in their mind. And then activate that, right? Boom. And that's what happened with this. There's a lot of players that are very nervous. There's coaches that are nervous. There's Everybody's mm -hmm. nervous. So that dropped into a very nervous environment. And, you know, a lot of people, myself, because of my role, uh, you know, we talked to some of my colleagues at TSN and we said, what do we do with this? And we decided first we were going to ignore it, right? But then people on Twitter started taking it to me and saying, hey, at TSN, Dave Naylor, what do you make of this? And I thought, well, if I ignore this, it's going to look like I'm, I don't know about it, what to make of it, yeah. or I'm afraid of it. Or so I, so I, I changed my take and I just, and I was just honest. I said, look, and I, and, and I try to, you, know, you guys know, know my, don't know my reputation, but I try to really be somebody who tells the truth and to not, you know, I, I work for a network that is business partners to the league, but I try not to be somebody who's, you know, throwing myself on a grenade for the league. That's not my job, right? So I, all I did was I said the truth. I said, you know, in multiple conversations I've had with people on and off the record, and I have some very longstanding relationships with people at the higher levels of teams in, in this league, everything I see tells me they're trying to play in 2021. I, I don't see anything that tells me there's it's not. Now, that could change. The XFL arrangement, how could that affect 2021? There's a lot of this stuff that's out of their control. If they can't put fans in the stands, our owner's going to buck up for that. But as of right now and what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis, and, and, and again, the re I think the, the league had the same approach. We're going to ignore that. And then all of a sudden, they're getting inquiries from like news organizations about it, right? Like the <laughs> CBC's calling them or something. So it's like, yeah. okay, we got it. And, and same thing with the Players Association. You know, I spoke to the president of the Players Association that night, and they were ticked because that group – you know, that has 350 followers on Twitter doesn't represent CFL players. They have a player, they have an executive uh, and, and, a, and a player's union that's in conversation with the league about these issues. But again, I think it spoke to a fear that is out there about 2021, because as you guys may have known, you know, there was a lot of promises about playing last year. And, and I mean, the season went down on August 17th. So when you think of, there was like four months of guys living day to day, week to week. And, and that was kind of a worst case scenario for the players, right? Like tell us in May, we're not playing so we can move on with our lives, get other jobs and do yeah. things. And, and the worst case was, you know, dragging guys to mid August and then dropping the hammer on them then. 
which was not really the league's fault. It was really too complicated to get into, but they were looking for federal government assistance. There were some issues uh, related to the finances of the federal government that had nothing to do with the Canadian Football League, but I think it made it very hard for the government to, to go forward and do something for the CFL with the environment that was happening. So it's, it's just a very, very nervous environment to drop a story like that into. And then it's also an, announcing the talks with the XFL in this nervous environment also got to some players who don't want to hear it. Some were interested, I'm sure, but as fans were all about it, especially down here, Dave, and instantly fans' minds went to merger uh, but mm-hmm. neither league said that word. The XFL said alignment. Why w- is there any information that's that that really lends itself towards? Oh yeah, we need to be talking merger immediately. Besides, I, we all know the status of the CFL season this year. Is that the only factor, or are there other factors that make people believe a merger is going to be possibly necessary for the CFL? Well, and, and merger may not be the legal term of what actually happens here, you know, but but if you know, what I've been kind of using is sort of an integration of the two, right? If, if these two sides are talking and it's serious, and and you guys know that I pro- that I have conversations with people that I can't share, um, and that's that's part of what I do, but I can certainly share the direction of those conversations. Okay, this is not about swapping ticket brochures. This is not about best practices for training camp facilities, and and you start to you start to work through what it could be about. Like if it's, if it's, if it's important enough that they're going to say, we are beginning formal talks with the XFL. Okay. That's not, you don't have to put a statement like that. If you're just talking about sharing business practices, that's the kind of thing where you're going to fundamentally alter your business. And, you know, you, you start to go through, well, what could it be? You know, even I was talking to some of the leagues, they said, you know, this, this, this idea that, well, maybe we just do it. So our champion plays their champion. This is the person said to me that gets us nowhere. Like that doesn't do anything for anybody, right? Both leagues are going to have to move their seasons so that one can play the other at the end of the year. It, it doesn't do anything. Um, you know, I, and, and I think there was a lot of skepticism about this because there have been a lot of harebrained ideas come through the Canadian Football League in a, in, in, over time. They, they've created alliances with, you know, Finnish football federations, Japanese football federations, Brazilian football. And I don't really know what those mean. You know, I think those are all kind of relationships just for down the road. It might turn into something. And I think people initially looked at this one as one of those. And then it was sort of, you know, it, it was, I mean, frankly, it was, it was, I think, a lot of our reporting that kind of took the lead on this and and said, well, no, actually, that's not what this is. And it really can't, it, it, and you get pretty quickly when you talk to people and you start thinking logically on this, it really does have to be either all or nothing. You know, there, there's not really a middle ground here that works. And, and as I say, if it was just about sharing best practices and, and you know, having a forging a, you know, a sharing relationship of ideas, I, I don't think you have to put out that statement, you know, that they put out the other day. And you, know, you guys mentioned the, 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 the reaction in Canada on Twitter and things like that. I think you know, one thing to be cognizant of is in any issue, right, people who are unhappy are always louder than people are who are happy. Right. It's like, and, and I, and I can see how a lot of people in the United States would get the impression that this is a wildly unpopular idea in Canada. Right. And it is among some, but not everyone. And, you know, I've, I've had, you know, I talked to an agent yesterday who's in his early thirties and, you know, he said to me, he said, I, I have all my buddies texting me about this. They're totally excited about it. You know, uh, uh, other people I've talked to have heard the same thing. So there are, you know, this has stirred a lot of conversation. 
there's a lot of people that are not CFL fans that say this intrigues me. There are a lot of people that are CFL fans that say, hey, I'd love to have my nine team three down league, you know, unless it's going to collapse. And then, hey, sign me up. Right. I'm on I'm on board. And then there's the I'd rather see the CFL die, you know, a three down nine team league than, you know, get into bed with the XFL. Um, you know, I, I, my position is, is pretty clear. I, you know, I'm. I love the three down league. I love the nine team league. I love the players. I love all the things about it, but it's not about what I like. You know, there's pretty good evidence that this league as it is right now is not sustainable. And if you gave me a choice between pushing into the future, you know, with the current, with the status quo or, you know, becoming an 18, 20 team league, you know, with the XFL and, and trying to tap the resources of Redbird capital partners and, and Danny Garcia and Dwayne Johnson, uh, frankly, I would choose that route. And, and I'm not pretending that doesn't have risk. It does. You, you know, you can't go down the road of alternative football in the spring in the United States without acknowledging <laughs> the history of failure and the degree of risk. Yeah. But so I'm not so I wouldn't tell traditional CFL fans, well, you got nothing to worry about. You do. But I think you have more to worry about if you just try and do the status quo. I think you ultimately are talking about you know, what has to become a smaller league. And, and I just don't know, you know. Businesses don't do well when they get smaller. You know, that's that's kind of a rule and, and it applies to sports as well. Yeah, and that's why we're seeing Redbird Capitals g- gobbling up all kinds of sports properties. And that's why this is kind of seeing them, them kind of set their eyes on the CFL and with along with Dwayne Johnson and Danny Garcia, of course, that's what becomes really intriguing. The expansion possibly of the CFL along with the XFL. We'll see what happens. But is there any indication, Dave? that you've heard that we'll know where these talks are actually going to go. Maybe another concrete announcement from both leagues prior to the CFL announcing the plans for the 2021 season. Like, are those going to coincide those announcements? Do we have to get an announcement about the XFL talks before we hear about a CFL season in 2021? Those are all really good questions. And I'm as intrigued by them as you guys are. I, I don't have any answers for you, but I'll give you some guesses. Um, I think the first thing is, are we talking about a integration by 2022 or 2023? You know, initially when this story broke, I thought we were talking more about 2022. I'm now starting to think there's a greater greater likelihood of 2023. Now, I haven't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that that's been determined. You know, I saw there was a story uh, that came out of, I think it was XFL News Hub yesterday, sort of speculating on 2023. Same thing. So I, w- I would agree with most of what's in that article, you know, and, and that that, you know, they they were clear it hasn't been decided, nothing official. But if you look at this, it looks more like a 2023 play than a 2022 play. And I and I, I go along with that, although I've had some pushback on that. So I, I wouldn't say that's determined. That's the first thing. Like if you're if you're talking about 2022, well, the last XFL head coach hired was June Jones. And that was 10 months before kickoff of the XFL. Well, 10 months of kickoff of the XFL, if they're going to start in you know, March, April, would be May, June. Do we think we're going to have 10 coaches hired by May, June? I don't think so, right? That that seems like a stretch. Doesn't look that so, way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you really are in this for the long term, you know, why would you hurry it? Um, you know, I hear from the CFL, I hear different things that, hey, if they wanted to start in 2022, uh, we could do it. Others I hear say that's that's a lot to ask, you know, with a great cup being handed at the end of November that we're going to turn around and be part of a new league in, in four months. So I think 2023 is more likely. Uh, I think the CFL is going to play in 2021. What they do in 2022, if it's a 2023 start, would be really interesting because 
Do you go for one more go round in the CFL? Um, do you play the CFL with the new rules as part of a transition? I've heard that idea. Personally, I think that's a bad one. Um, you know, or do you finish the Grey Cup this year in November and take a knee and say, "Hey, see everybody in 16 months." Right? That we you know, we we need the time to organize and prepare and get this right. And it's going to suck not having a season in 2022, but or you know, but we're going to be there in April of 2023. So I think it, in terms of get back to your question, in terms of when we're going to learn more, I think it depends what dates we're targeting. Like the CFL's got a bit of a a dance here, right? Because they're going to put on a traditional season. At the same time, potentially having to tell people that this league doesn't work anymore. <laughs> well, they may not put it in those terms, but they'll probably say, you know, great opportunity, couldn't couldn't pass up on it and such. But it is it. I, I, the analogy I keep using is I just sold my house in January and I bought another one and I move on April 29th. The minute you buy that new house, it's really hard to care about the one you're living, even though I'm here for another six weeks. Right. It's like it's hard to care about. And that's the that's the dilemma. I think that once the cat's out of the bag on the on the XFL, how do you get fans, frankly, you know, players who are are they going to feel playing for a league that's going to be obsolete, potentially media partners, all those things. So the timing of, of what you announce, I mean, I could see that you might say. God, let's try not announce anything till after the Grey Cup this year, and then we say, and we if it's 2023, if it's 2023, maybe you can hold off till after the CFL season. If it's 2022, you probably have to do it sooner. But I, I think we're more likely to be talking about 2023. So I can see that this might go very quiet for quite a long time, and maybe you know next December, once the Grey Cup's been handed out, bang, here's the new vision for 2023 and and we wait to hear what the CFL is going to do in 2022. But I I have the same questions you guys do on that one, because um, I mean, there's a real, there's a real hunger for knowledge on this story here, right? Like tongues have never wagged in March about the Canadian football league. (laughs) Like they are right now. (laughs) I know talking about it down here. And I've decided I'm going to pace myself on the announcement. And I'm I'm a CFL fan. So I'm just more focused on hearing about, 2021 kicking off, right. I think, first and foremost, especially for them. Uh, Brian, we were talking yesterday about about the, the CFL coming to the States, and we got into a little bit of the history, and we saw Dave's uh, article he came out with about the first U.S. expansion and how this can't be like that. And it, it, was, it was funny yesterday, Brian, talking about that on the show and re- after reading Dave's article for sure. Well, yeah, because you saw kind of – I wish I had $3 million in a lease to a stadium because <laughs> maybe I'd be a CFL owner right about now. Um, but they have less than $3 million, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but with the XFL, when it launched in 2020, you know, it gave life. There was some promise with the XFL, right? It, other mm-hmm. than the pandemic, it looked promising for the XFL, at least yep. for another few seasons. Did the CFL have expansion into the U.S. plans at all to kind of save them or help them? before the expo or when they saw what the expo was doing in 2020? No, I mean, the, 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 the door on U.S. expansion really slammed shut, you know, in 1995. And, and as you guys saw in the article, it, it was really driven by crisis. There was no sort of overarching strategy to it, you know. Um, they were dealing with, you know, as, as opposed to dealing with one entity like they are in, in, in this case, you know, they, they were basically just flushing out to try to find rich guys that, you know, wanted to own a football team, you know, um, and they got some very credible rich people who did. I mean, you know, Fred Smith, like the at Federal Express, owned the Memphis Mad Dogs, right? Um, A.L. Williams, who's like a zillionaire, he later owned the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning in the NHL. He owned the Birmingham Barracudas. 
Um, you know, they had a guy in Las Vegas named Nick Maletti who had been an NBA owner. Uh, they had uh, the guy in Sacramento was the guy who'd owned the Sacramento surge of the world, world league, Fred Anderson. But, but there was no, there was no kind of overall strategy. They were just kind of disjointed franchises around America. And, you know, other than cashing the expansion checks, I'm not sure it did anything for the league. You know, they weren't making, you know, the league was on ESPN two and on some regional television deals, but I think, I don't think the league reaped any money from that. And, and it was really embarrassing to a lot of long-term CFL fans to see like, you know, in Vegas, Vegas had to play its last home game in Edmonton because they drew like 2000 for their previous game. And, and all of those basically were people from Winnipeg who'd flown down on a junket to go to Vegas to go to, and you know, Hey, bombers are in Vegas. Let's go down and go to the casino and go to the game. They showed up the game. They're the only ones at the game. You know, I was, I was in Las Vegas in 1994, the very first home game there where, you know, Nick Maletti had said 30,000, every game sold out and we're in there and it's, well, you guys have probably seen the highlight of the, the guy who sings Oh Canada to the tune of Oh Christmas tree. Right. If, if Have you seen that? I think I have. Yes. Yeah. Like, that's one that every time we can get that on our sports center top 10, it, 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 it never, ever loses currency. Right. It, it's the greatest. And I was in the press box that night and the guy starts singing, Oh, Canada. Oh, and I'm like, Oh my God, where's my tape recorder. Right. And, and of course, and you've got this, you know, this camera shot of a stadium with 12,000 people sprinkled around it. And a guy singing, Oh, Canada to the tune of Oh Christmas Tree, okay? That's the lasting impression of U.S. expansion. That's why people weren't happy to run back to it, right? And I remember Nick Maletti. I went into his suite at halftime. I said, Nick, I thought every game was going to be sold out. Yeah, that that was probably our greatest miscalculation. No kidding. That's what he said. Uh, <laughs> so so it's, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of seen as an embarrassment to the league, right? And it's not something that fans or people who have deep loyalty to the league wanted to revisit because it just felt like they don't get us. They don't get our game. Uh, they don't care about it, particularly after Labor Day. I mean, you had, you know, in Birmingham, they drew pretty good crowds through July and parts of August. You got to Labor Day, boom, like college football in Alabama started and it was, you know, nothing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that's why it really hasn't been, a, a, it comes up every now and then, but it, it's really been kind of a non-starter. And I, and I think the only way you really could do it is if you were dealing with a bigger entity, you were dealing with something that was going to put you on national television in the U.S., you know, um, and that th- there was part of a, a greater comprehensive strategy. And, and that's kind of what I was trying to get in the column yesterday is that, you know, I, I, I'm going to dig deeper into Redbird Capital in the weeks to come. But I, I think that's a very different proposition than, you know, just having kind of random businessmen flushed out from around America that you're going to hand a team to if the check clears. I mean, you guys saw the story in the column about the Orlando franchise, right? That was the <laughs> yeah. best one. Like it was like, I remember I was working at the CBC at that time. We tuned in the satellite channel and there's this podium and you could hear a CFL promotional video airing in the background, right? So there's totally a room of people and they've got the VCR going and they're pressing like the tape on this CFL promotional vehicle. And you, uh, and you could you could hear this in the background and we're watching it, still hearing the button, still hearing it. Still hearing it, still hearing it, looking at this podium, and all of a sudden, color bars. <laughs> like, you know, and, and about 20 minutes later on the wires, you know, CFL Orlando news, you know, boom, team gone. So, I mean, 
those are again, those are not things that instill pride about Canadian football. And that's why when Canadians think of Canadian football in the United States, they generally shudder. Yeah, I mean, a 2021 analogy for that Orlando situation is the CFL got ghosted. Uh, yeah, in Orlando, they got ghosted. Basically. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it, yeah, they got ghosted and they got dumped in San Antonio, right? So they, they there were some. Some bad experiences down there, man. Bad experiences. When I can see why that, you know, you put up polls and I've seen a lot of polls up on Twitter and they tend to lean towards the negative because I'm sure, like you're saying, people tend to be more, you know, you know, they, social they media. seem to, yeah, yeah social yeah. media seems to be negative, right? People want to, to, to not like this and that's who the ones are the loudest, right? But uh, in reality, exactly. U.S. expansion was a bad thing, but this isn't really U.S. expansion, right, Alan? I mean, this is no, and that's and that's what I'm saying. It's going to be different, and and I, I wrote that kind of to get a ahead of the argument that's starting to emerge that hey, we did this right, and and as, as I said, I remember saying this at the time. Look, if you and I decide to open a restaurant and we do everything wrong and it fails, that doesn't mean opening a restaurant's a bad idea. It just means we didn't do it very well, right? And I and I've always wondered how could U.S. expansion have worked. You know, if they planned it, yeah. I mean, literally, you're talking about awarding teams in January. They're playing in June, right? I mean, that's you know, that's so. If if you'd had a proper run up to it, if the teams had been properly financed, if you'd had a television strategy, um, if you thought more about your schedule, all those things that that didn't happen uh, because it, it was, you know, it was there were a lot of missteps. And and I understand the commissioner of the day was like he was like the shark that had to keep swimming or he's going to die, right? That was. That was what the, the the state of the and in some ways, you know, that maybe saved the league. You know, at least it bought it time. Um, but it's um, it's not. It, it I think that's going to be one of the biggest obstacles to selling this vision to traditional CFL fans is you know those who have memories of of what it was like in the U.S. Because it really was, like I say, it was it was almost embarrassing to to be a fan of the league on certain days. You know, at that time where you just felt like, man, this is this is not. And, and yet, you know, you had the, the, the experience of Baltimore, which was tremendous, right? Because the same way in the XFL, you saw a real fervor in St. Louis that was, you know, an expression of an anti-NFL sentiment. Like, like they had a thing in Baltimore in 1994 called the Indy Challenge, where they were trying to sell more season tickets than the Colts. Like, I don't know if they did it, but like they had, that was the goal, right? And so they, you're talking about significant numbers. And, I, I, you know, I only went to one game in Baltimore, but I certainly watched the, remember a lot of them in television. Like, it looked like real football where people cared. And then the Browns came to town. They- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we had history, the, tre- the, the trep- trepidation for sure from CFL fans. It's similar to just bring Vince McMahon bringing the XFL back in 2020 and saying, oh, you're going to try that again. But it was way different, right. totally different right. strategy. Put it in the hands of different people as well, which this seemingly is what is going to happen uh before we let you go dave i want to ask you so we've been talking most of the talk's been about merger and the 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 leagues Mm -hmm. integrating in some way do you envision any Mm -hmm. way the leagues can have these talks and come out of them in where they're separate still but sharing resources players maybe is there a way that could actually happen where the cfl three down game can be preserved no (laughs) <laughs> I'll say more than that, but, but um, I, I, I don't. I, and, and it kind of goes back to what I said earlier that I, I think this is a hard thing to get half pregnant on, you know, because because I don't know what how that solves the league's problems. Right. They don't really have a problem with access to players. As, as you guys know, the reason we keep seeing alternative football leagues start up is because there's a surplus yep. of really talented football players. Right. 100%. That's that will work for 
you know, less than NFL players do. So that's, that's not really like, that's not really a problem for the league. Um, you know, marketing, yeah, you can share ideas and things like that, but marketing ultimately costs money. And, and I think when, in some cases, people say that in the CFL, you know, market the league better, you know, sometimes if people don't want something, it doesn't matter how hard you market it at them, right? It's like me in soccer. You can tell me it's the greatest soccer of all time. I don't care. Like, it's just, I, I don't, like, I don't, I don't want to watch zero, zero. Thank you. You know? Um, and there's a lot of people like that on the CFL. They just don't care. And it does, it's not just about marketing. It's not the product that they want. So I don't know how kind of one of those, you know, sharing separate, but, you know, partners arrangements, when I go through the list of challenges that the league has, that doesn't solve any of them for me. But, but you, you mentioned the, you know, like obviously the rules and what game we're going to be playing is going to be a massively emotional issue. And frankly, you know, you're going to hear people who haven't bought a ticket to a CFL game for 25 years spout off about this one, uh, which, which drives me nuts. Um, but, you know, there's, there's, there's two rules that are going to be very emotional. And I don't know how either of them survive, you know, a merger, integration, whatever you want to call it. One is three downs, right? Um, and the other one is 20 Canadians on every roster. Right. Seven starters, 20 on every roster. And, and I'll just quickly go through why in, in three down football, one, they've tried it in the U.S. Right. And it's not like it hasn't been tried there before. And there's a significant percentage of Canada that, prefer, that prefers four down football, like not just prefers the NFL, but just believes four down football is a better game. We know there's not a significant portion of the United States that prefers three down football. Right. It's, it's basically 100 percent of four down football nation. This country. Even if you called it a 50 50 split, which I'm not sure it is, because um, you look at where the population is in this country, you know, like where I live, there's nine million people that live within an hour of me. Right. Like one in four Canadians lives within an hour of my house. And that and this is more four down territory. So when you actually do the numbers of the, of the population, I think you probably have more people in this country that prefer four down football than, than three. But just for argument's sake, let's say it's 50-50. Okay, well, if you were going to launch a North American wide football league and you got one market that's 100% four down football avidity and another market that's 50-50, like, isn't it pretty obvious which game you have to sell? Yeah. I mean, if, if, I did a, if I did a survey and said that, you know, 75% of my customers like grape soda and 25% like orange. What am I going to sell? Right. I mean, it's, 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 it's that simple. Uh, and that's, that's being very taking the emotion out of it. That's just saying, what do people want? And particularly in this country, younger people, younger people in this country, to my experience, do not identify with three down football. Even when we did a lot of these zoom calls this fall, when there was no CFL season with a lot of the Canadians that are playing in the NCAA, like high levels, of the NCAA mid majors, all that. And, and invariably, when I would you know, have conversations with them on Zoom with other reporters, it's clear they don't identify with the three down game at all. They're four down kids who grew up playing Madden, you know, who had their eyes set on the NCAA. If they're in British Columbia, they played four down football in high school. I believe that's true in parts of Quebec as well. So, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, a lot of young people here don't identify with the three down game the way the traditional fan is. OK, so that's the one. I don't see how that survives. Okay. The 20 Canadians on a roster, that's a big issue as well. And it was in U.S. expansion and they managed to keep it in those days. But the issue becomes not that in week number one, you can't compete with 20 Canadians on your roster or seven Canadian starters. It's when injuries start to happen over the course of a season, right? Because an American team has an injury 
and they replaced that guy with somebody who was cut from an NFL team five months ago. And the Canadian team, the next best Canadian on the roster is a guy who was playing, you know, at Queens last year. Right. Which is and no disrespect. I'm just I'm just picking a school. Right. Which is but it's a very different than somebody who's come out of an SEC program and it was a late cut of an NFL mm-hmm. team versus somebody making the step up. Um, and I think over time, you know, that would be very, very hard to remain competitive. And if you're going to have this be a legitimate vehicle for betting, and I mean like worldwide, because I think that's what they want, right? If this is going to be the only football played between April and September. If you want to bet on football anywhere on the globe, this is where you do it. Do you really want a league where teams are playing with different sets of rules in terms of how the roster composition is, right? It just, I don't, I don't think that's very clean from a wagering perspective. Um, so you know, there may be things you could do with that to, you know, developmental roster. Maybe there's a certain number of Canadians you have to have on every team, but I cannot see 20 Canadians on every roster, you know, surviving. And that's going to be very emotional because you're talking about 180 jobs, right? And as we know, in whatever country we're talking about, as soon as the topic comes between taking away jobs and giving them to, in this case, foreigners, <laughs> right? um, you know, that look, we, I don't need to point to instances around the world where that's a very sensitive topic. And, and you're going to, you're going to hit that nerve here. You know, you can make the argument, you know, for all the reasons I did, that has nothing to do with wanting to, you know, take away Canadian jobs, but that's going to be the end result. And, and I don't know how that one, I, again, I just can't see how you push that through and make that as that. So those are the two that, you know, like you said, is there a way to go separate so that we preserve those things? Not really. You know, and and is there a way to preserve those things without being separate? Not really, in my opinion. And and like we said yesterday, Bryant, the sacrifices the CFL are going to have to make are going to be tough pills to swallow. And you know, we the XFL went bankrupt, and you know that that pill has been swallowed. So maybe. From the CFL standpoint, they're going to have to start giving some things up if both leagues want to start thriving, it sounds like, Dave, from our conversation that I'm taking away from it today, at least. I think that's it. I think I think you've got to sort of look at it and say, you know, the other thing is, that with, you know, people are asking, what do the XFL want in this? Like, how much appeal does an eight-team league have, really? I mean, I know you guys are XFL guys, but like, when if I say eight teams or 18, what gets you more excited, right? Because the problem when you have, problem is when you have eight teams, and we have this problem in the CFL right now, is... You know, by the time you get to midseason, you get matchups. Sorry, crappy matchups. I don't want to say that. I'm just saying. Uh, that, uh, that, like, you know, you're going to have a 3-11 and 11 team playing a 4-10 and 10 team, right? And, and that's – you're going to have that anyway. But when that's one of your four matchups of the entire week, I mean, the NFL has dogs too, right? But because they're pumping 16 games out a week, you bury the dogs on regional TV. Nobody watches them. No one pays attention to them. But in our league, the dogs in the second half of the season are – are showcased because every game's on national TV and we only have four weeks. So, so I think that's the other thing that, you know, both, yeah, both leagues are going to have to say, okay, what hasn't worked before and how can we use our partnership, our integration with this other league to, to get us to where, you know, whether it's the XFL that, that hasn't worked in or alternative football that hasn't worked in the spring in the U S and, you know, how do, how does having the CFL involved, get us beyond those other problems. And for the CFL, it's how does, how does having a partner like this get us beyond our current problems and allow us to avoid the problems we ran into the last time we tried something like this. 
I think I can speak for probably the three of us and all football fans out there. I'm just very intrigued about what's going to happen because oh. we talk about the Canadians on, on a football team or we talk about three. There's so many. I mean, it's the length of the seasons, right? You know, yeah. you have a 21 week season, you have a, a, a 10 weeks. Like there's so many season. differences and, and you know, the, the, the next few months are just going to be so intriguing for football fans. I just, I, I personally can't wait in that sense. I'll just, say, I'll just ask you guys, you guys excited about this? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm, I am so excited. <laughs> I am. I feel for the, the diehard Canadian fans who, like we've talked about, have lived with three down football and, you know, you're the last of the dying breed, Dave, but we need change and we need, we need football year round is my, my view. And this is the way to do it. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's funny. Like I actually think somebody said this to me the other day that if this league is kind of a, a March, April league, which I think it's going to be, uh, if this happens, I think it's also good to leave a little bit of distance between the end of the Super Bowl. It always seemed like a little bit kind of like, like I love football as much as anybody in this country, but by the time I've gone through bowl season, you know, convinced my girlfriend that I should watch football all day, Saturday and Sunday through all of January, <laughs> then yeah. builds up to the Super Bowl. Even I need a bit of a break after that, right? So if, if we do have six weeks between, you know, the final gun of the Super Bowl and the kickoff to the XFL, CFL thing. I actually think that would be a good thing as well. Just give us a little bit of breathing space. Won't take me long to get my appetite back for it. Yeah. And uh, no, I, I'm, I, I think that that people I, – look, I, I know that there are people that are not interested at all traditionally, that are they're very intrigued to see where this is going to go. And I'm sure you guys are. And I hope other football fans are in the U.S. You know, I, I hope we find something that, that hits the spot and – and solves problems for both the Canadian Football League, you know, and the XFL. And, you know, let's create the second best football league in the world. You know, that's that, that's not a bad place to be. There's enough players and there's definitely enough great reporters covering it all, Dave. So we appreciate it, man. And we look forward to chatting with you as we uh, hear more details from the talks. Anytime, guys. Uh, really, really happy to do this. And uh, thanks for having me on.